Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more information, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510-510. We hope that you enjoy this episode, but be sure to join us next month for FCYA Third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. Okay, really quick, to to loosen up the room, can I get a little bit of a poll? Who is a fan of pumpkin spice lattes? <laughs> Someone held one up. Cheers. <laughs> pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> okay, um, who is not a fan of pumpkin spice lattes? Yeah, Pastor Cody has some are thoughts the, on that those, one. Those of you that are um, not a fan of pumpkin spice, is it just anything pumpkin is like, I'm not about it, it's gross to me? Is that kind of how that works? Or just the lattes? just the lattes for me. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so Pastor Cody has this weird theory I'm going to let you explain this because it's weird, but it has to do with pancakes and waffles. More of us than we think. Yeah. Who loves pancakes? Just in general, pancakes. Okay. Who prefers waffles over pancakes? Okay. Now tell them your they theory. Are, they are the same though. But they're not. They are, <laughs> they are literally not. Okay. Here's, here's, what, here's how it works. My theory, and I think that you'll be with me if you could just hear me out for a moment and set your bias aside. (laughs) It's weird. I think there are things that are better after certain dates in the calendar year. So, for example, I think that waffles are better around the holidays, but after, like, March, it's pancakes all day. Just saying. He... The way he explained it was like, oh, after Labor Day, after Labor Day, that's what perfect. it is. Perfect, yeah. and that just doesn't make sense yep. to me. Yep, it it's like make sense. I, I just made the transition uh, about eight days ago that I have officially cut cold brew out of my life, and now it's only hot coffee. Today was 93 degrees. I'm so ready for the fall, but I'm committed to hot coffee because I've already made the switch, and I will be a hot coffee guy until. Yeah. I don't know what's, what's the next thing. Labor Day. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense in Chicago, but it doesn't make sense here because it was 95 degrees today and you're drinking hot coffee. So what you're saying is I'm irrelevant. <laughs> yep. My opinion is irrelevant. No, no, no. Even worse. No. Come on. Anyways, we love the fall drinks. It's just funny to fall, talk about today. Fall brings out the simp in all of us. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. Cuffing season. We can now we can now Started. watch <laughs> we can now watch the holiday, the best movie ever. Anyways, enough fall that, talk. That I won't do. No Christmas rom coms. Outlawed. We're getting controversial up here. So before we go any further, I just want to um, say a huge welcome to Third Wednesday. We're so excited that you're here. Like we said in the beginning, and. Um, if this is your first time here, or if you've been to every third Wednesday, or if you're listening back on our podcast right now, we just want to say a big thank you for coming and for tuning in to this conversation and just investing back into our young adult community here. We are part of a much bigger house at Free Chapel, and so we have Sunday services at 9 and 11 that we encourage you guys to come if you're looking for um, a church family to get plugged into. But the, w- the reason why Third Wednesdays was kind of birthed was um, just our heart for gathering and our heart to create a space for our young adult community at this church to just talk about life and what, what it's like to follow Jesus in today's society. And so uh, we're excited that you're here. We're excited that you guys keep showing up month after month. And um, yeah, we usually talk about a relevant topic or just have a conversation up here that um, is hopefully helping you guys follow Jesus in today's culture. And so the last couple um, months, we've been in this new series revolving around the book of Mark. And so this is the first time that our young adult community has done a book study. And so we believe in reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and um, the power of scripture. And so last month we talked about Mark. This month we're diving into Mark as well. And um, we haven't just been talking about it in this room, but in our small groups as well. And so 
I know Josh mentioned this, but we have our Mark journal. So if you guys haven't um, grabbed one of those, I encourage you guys to do that. It's really cool, really cool resources in there. There's um, some things that you can do for independent study and Bible study. Um, our group guides are in there, and there's actually notes in there for Third Wednesday. So if you have it with you, you can pull it out and take some notes for tonight. That's awesome. Yeah. One, you know, I was thinking um, as you were saying that, I can remember, you know, all of these nights have always been... Uh, topical maybe in their approach to come around a conversation that would affect a lot of young adults like finances or relationships or mental health. And we've kind of talked about a Bible, a biblical perspective or um, a Christian sort of worldview around those topics. But as we've kind of um, jumped into this series, it's been a little bit different. I can remember um, uh, it was a few months back before we started this that I had met a young adult kind of down the front here after the service. And he was surprised kind of how we'll end each night like this is to give people an opportunity to meet Jesus for the first time. And so we'll pray a prayer of salvation. Anyway, this he was surprised of how many people had responded to the message because he was like you guys didn't open the bible once and I was like but we did though and I think it's just interesting you know kind of coming around this I want to say that I'm proud of this community um, because as I think we've gone through season after season and sort of um, collection after collection um, it's just been cool to watch people lean into the book of Mark it's it's a fairly short book so if if you haven't yet done that I want to encourage you it's not too late um, to jump in with us um, but I think really the, the heartbeat of behind all of this is kind of gathering around um, watching the life of Jesus. And if, if our approach is to be a, a Jesus follower, which it is mine, and I think for a lot of the community, um, it is of, of ours kind of shared. Maybe you're in the room tonight and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. I think it's awesome that you're here. It's, it's an awesome night to check out sort of behind the curtain of what it looks like. But I think for most of us, we would agree we want to follow Jesus. And so kind of unpacking the book of Mark, the whole, the whole series has been called Jesus in Action because um, more than any other gospel, Mark is, is a short account really um, using, I think, a lot of imagery and watching the life of Jesus played out. Mark is so much less about what Jesus says and more about what Jesus has done. And I think the cool thing is to observe um, in, in Jesus' own life how he lived, how he thought, how he talked, the places that he would go. And really looking at, I think, from Jesus' life, are we actually taking seriously the call to follow Jesus or are we just following our idea of Jesus or are we following tradition? And I don't know if you're like me, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm standing upon something solid. And man, I've just found there's nothing more solid in 2022 than the word of God. And so we're actually taking the, the next few months, there's still two more months in this collection to really look, I think, step by step through the stories of Jesus and the experiences of Jesus to make sure that we're standing upon something solid that is actually Jesus's life and the message that he preached. Yeah, and I think for even for me, as we're studying and prepping for this night, like there's such an importance in studying scripture. And I've been a Christian my entire life, and I'm reminded of that time and time again. Like I feel the difference when I'm not in my word or not in scripture because I feel the it's it's a mirror when you're reading scripture. It's like re, it's the only thing that reads you while you're reading it, and it points back at the little things that um, you need to work on in your life and convict and that God would convict you of. So super excited to dive into to Mark 8. I know um, we studied, we've studied Mark 1 through 8 so far, and we've read and seen that Jesus is pretty radical. He's like flipping the city upside down, casting out demons, performing miracles, and he's, it's not popular. People don't really love him, and um, he's kind of creating some chaos in the city. One of the things I think that's interesting is is that, you know, kind of looking at the life of Jesus up until this point, and we'll jump in and we'll read it in a moment, but just sort of the context, like Jesus was not maybe met with the same sort of, um, you know, like, like I'll just say for a lot of the place in our culture, being a Christian, you kind of given the benefit of the doubt. Like it's a good thing to have values and a good thing to have morals, maybe less and less so. Um, but I think, you know, sort of looking at the way Jesus steps on the scene, he was born um, into poverty. He, he pretty much lived um, most of his life in obscurity. There's, you know, up until he was about 30, there's very fringe sort of stories that we even have about the life of Jesus, which is kind of a crazy thought if you just pause there and think about like maybe the most important human being that ever walked the earth and certainly the most influential that has shaped our, our, our um, planet. Really, we only have recordings of the things that he did and said for about three years of his whole life. Um, 
But to watch sort of the massive influence that he had, he, he kind of began really radical and really unpopular. Um, he was neither the religious crowd or the secular crowd quite liked him. Everyone seemed to have a problem um, with kind of the way he did things. And, um, and I think that, you know, even more than that, he, he lived and he died in such a way that sort of um, represents to us a radical humility. Um, part of the story of Jesus is that he gave himself in self-giving love, um, but it was a death that was embarrassing. It was a death that was shameful. He died in a way that criminals would die, though he lived a sinless life and did nothing wrong. Um, and he suffered really the ultimate loss. And so you'd think of somebody that would be maybe the most influential or somebody that would be deemed um, a king or um, a person of influence, you'd think about the power and the pride and the reputation that would go along with that. Jesus was quite the opposite. And so during his ministry, I think Mark 8 marks a, Mark 8 marks a pivotal moment um, in Jesus's life where uh, almost like he turns the dial up on the cost and the... Um, I think the uh, the radical side of his call to his disciples. Yeah, and I think that you know, going back to what it's like to follow Jesus in this culture, I think sometimes, especially uh, for those of us who grew up in church, we don't really like realize the cost of following Jesus. Sometimes it feels like um, such a way of life that we've or we're so accustomed to, we're going to church, we're doing all the things, we're serving, um, we're surrounded by um, believers maybe or maybe not. And so I think even as, like for me studying this, I was reminded of like the cost of following Jesus requires a lot and requires sacrifice and surrender and ultimately um, dying to ourselves. And so yeah, that's where we'll, I think, want to land. And we'll, we'll read a passage of scripture here that we're going to look at um, in your Mark journal and even through the studies that will happen in, in groups next week. But um, I'd love it if we can just kind of come around the Bible and read this actually tonight. Um, Mark chapter 8, picking up in verse 34. You'll have it on the, on the screen. This is the digital version. But does anyone have, oh, listen to the sound of pages rustling. What an uncommon sound. In 2022 is the Bible page. It's awesome. I love that. I've got my analog version here. That's what I like to call it. Uh, Mark 8, picking up in verse 34. Jesus said, uh, in calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me or if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for, for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the angels." So it's a little bit of a heavy topic tonight, I'm not going to lie. Um, really, I think we can look at Jesus' life and maybe look at um, this command, maybe you knew this, maybe not, this command of anything that Jesus would say is, is the most popular invitation that Jesus gave. Jesus welcomed people in, he said, come and see. Um, earlier in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, to uh, take on my yoke, my burden is easy, it's to come and rest. But across all four Gospels, in multiple places, Jesus' most common invitation was to come and to die. And we're speaking, I think, of, of a, not a physical death. I want you to hear me tonight. It's not literally to take up the cause and to um, be a martyr or to, to physically die. But there is a spiritual and, and sort of an um, allegorical death that comes with following Jesus. And that's where I think we'll land tonight. But before we get there... I want to maybe address the, um, there's, you know, when, whenever we read a, a passage of scripture like that, we, there's kind of like this dissonance that happens within us, right? Like, did, did God really mean that? Or, or, or did, was Jesus just like having a bad day? Was he just like trying to get as his disciples? Or because I think we live in such a culture that is so opposite of any talk. Actually, we live in a culture of self-fulfillment, not self-denial. And everything that we're consuming is geared with the bent of fulfilling ourselves. How many have heard this? To, to love yourself or to, to treat yourself. Or, or, or you do you. 
This is all sort of the bent of self-fulfillment. Not that those things are inherently bad, but Jesus says, if you want to follow me, it means denying and dying to yourself. And just maybe I think is an important distinction there um, is, is it's not that it's um, denying yourself, but really to deny your self. You, kept, you, you, you hear me tonight? It's, it's, it's really, I think, denying the, the, the flesh part about you. It's not to deny your personality or your problems or your inner essence. Really, I think Jesus' invitation is to not deny what we would call um, the flesh. And I think even hearing that almost sounds so alien to our ears. Yeah, I think, and that's why it feels like a little bit of that, like, disconnect. It's like you want, God, God is calling us to do, to deny ourselves, and that actually goes against everything that culture is telling us, even in the age of social media. And I know it sounds cliche, but, like, we are literally in the selfie age, and everything is revolving ourselves. I was literally thinking about this um, because I was listening to a podcast about social media, and, like, without self-glorification, like what is social media? Like it actually doesn't exist. And I think totally God can use social media in so many great ways. But, but what about be real? Oh, no. <laughs> it's not glorifying. It's, it's not glorifying. real. It's real. <laughs> Until you like retake it three times. I'm guilty of that one. Tell the um, truth. But we're in this. I deleted my be real, actually. I just was like out with that. I can't do it. Um... But yeah, this podcast was, was just saying this age of self-glorification, self-care, speak your truth, treat yourself, you do you, like everything. And actually like there's, there's things in the church sometimes that preach that too. It's like, do whatever you feel is right. And, um, whatever is like pleasing to you and what feels right with you. And, and so I think there's so many, there's so much um, like friction in our life and we like, it makes us feel weird because it goes against everything that we've been trained up to think, even like as um, kids, like what do we want to be when we grow up? What, how many kids do we want? When do we want to get married? What do we want to be when we grow up? All of these different things. Um, it's all good things. Obviously God wants us to, to set us up for success in a good life, but Everything that we've been doing in the church, too, is in this age of self-glorification and self-fulfillment. And so that's why we feel the tensions. I think part of the resistance um, for a lot of people is feeling like, you know, like, how could Jesus really be serious? Like, is he seriously asking me to give up myself? And I think what we're, the resistance is that we fear at its core, we fear that following Jesus means missing out on something that I value or think that would give me sort of the life that I desire or, or a life of happiness. And I think there's like this, um, you know, kind of misnomer or, or this misunderstanding when it comes to God is that um, I think we have got to understand like God only wants your best and God only has your best in mind. And, and I think that's why it's so important when when we think about God, what we're thinking of, and when, when we're kind of um, having these thoughts about, like, what does God want from me? It's not that he's, like, just asking you to give up and live a life of poverty and misery. God actually does have your best um, in mind. And I think that any time that we make a decision that doesn't have that conviction or that faith, I think it leads to a place that's just, you know, what I'd call is, is sin. Um, there was a, a guy, really old guy named St. Ignatius. He was an old monk, and he said that sin at its core is the um, unwillingness that, to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. You think about this. So I think any time that the, tr the trust is broken and say God doesn't, you know, he doesn't have my best interest in mind, the next decision always leads to sin. And I think every sin can be boiled down to a lack of trust in God. You think of, you know, I, I have to steal or to cheat because I don't trust that God is my provider. Or I have to um, lie because I don't trust that God, or I, I, I hold on to revenge and bitterness because I don't trust that it's, you know, the battle is the Lord's and that he's going to fight for me. Or even pride, I think, is a sin that boils down to a, a lack of trust um, in God. And I think, you know, we all have this idea of things that we think would make us happy. We've got desires, and it's not that the desires themselves are bad, but I think when they come in place of um, thinking that I know better than God does for my life, that's when they become an area of what really I think is maybe unpopular to say, but really is sin. Yeah. 
And I think, I mean, we just touched on this, but even before we dive a little bit deeper into the conversation, like, let's understand this. Like, God wants good things for us. He's actually, like, such a good father, an almighty God, and, like, he is orchestrating heaven and earth for our good and is working everything out for our good. So when we feel the tensions of this earth and this world, um, he's still in that. He's still working out everything for our good. And, and yeah, the, desi- the desires aren't wrong. And the desires even for good things sometimes can um, just come in the place of God. And so that's kind of what we want to set before we dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, and, and maybe I just, I'd want to say this, I think to us tonight as a community, like I think all of those things, I, maybe just say, I would pay attention to what it is that you're really longing for. Like, what are your desires pointing to? Because I'd say that the reason that's an important exercise is I think it comes to, like, all of us would have to realize that the the desire beneath every other desire can only be fulfilled in God. And I think, you know, all of these desires, they can be, you know, whether it be for, for security or a desire for peace or a desire for nice things, all of that is, is fine and good, but, but beneath all of those desires is a much deeper desire, one that, that's only on the soul level. Um, and I think that desire is for God. And so if we're going to get into that desire, we, we, you know, you, following my logic here, we've got to deny all other desires in order to really tap into the deepest desire that my soul has. And that's, I think, Jesus' invitation when he says, um, to, to deny ourselves or really our, our desires or our flesh that really, I think, is just, it's, it's all hell-bent at corruption without God. And I think God is what the, the rightful order for how you're created is to have God in his rightful place, which is he is my first desire. Let us not make the mistake of, of wanting the things of God without wanting the person of God. Or let us not make the mistake of thinking, I, I want God for what he can do for me instead of wanting who he is. And I think it's an easy trap that we can all fall into where we, see, I've never met a person that has a problem believing that God is powerful. But I often meet people that do have a problem thinking that God is good. And you think about this for a moment and just, I'm gonna, we're gonna go there tonight and I'm gonna give you some stuff to chew on in your groups and to chew on in your conversations following. But I think much of the resistance is not a question of whether or not is God is powerful, but, but is actually God good? And I think trusting that God is good, um, I think is, it's maybe what Paul says, is he says that I've learned this, how? Because I have been crucified with Christ, for it's no longer I that, that, that live, but Christ through me. And so um, I think maybe if you want to chime in there a little bit on like, I think seeing God as a good father, really getting to the heart of this um, sort of life that calls me to deny my desires that I might gain my one true desire. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the heart of it. Like, and I've talked about this before, but Psalm 8411 is a promise that has literally gotten me through so many, um, so much heartbreak in my life because in Psalm 8411 basically says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. And he does not withhold any good thing from his children. And just even that, like God is a good, good father and he wants good things for his children. And that is something that like if we don't get in our minds, it will destroy us because then we're we're acting out of um, performance. We're saying, oh, if I do this, then God will reward me. And then it's like a weird um, relationship. And so that is the thing that I think has helped me in my life, especially in my 20s, of like God is not withholding good things for me. If things don't happen in my life that I was sure that God wanted in my life, um, he actually just has something better. And I have to believe that. That's really good. So you've been memorizing it. Oh, I've been, I've been memorizing Naming it. And proclaiming it. Oh, yeah. I, I have it on that. my ring, actually, engraved in here. Oh, come on. There you go. Custom jewelry? <laughs> Custom jewelry. This runs deep. <laughs> Um, so A.W. Tozer called this whole idea the crucified life or the cruciform life. And um, part of that, I think, that idea is, um, you know, we, we make much ado at church about um, knowing that Jesus died for my sins. We all understand maybe the, the forefront of the cross and what that means for me, but I think we miss often the next step um, that Jesus is calling or really inviting us to we may have received Jesus, but the question is, are you following him? What do you mean? 
we can accept that Jesus died for me, but we've, we sometimes fail to recognize that the, the cross isn't just something that Jesus did. It's also something that he's asking me to do. It's also something that he's asking me to participate in him or in, with him in. That Jesus is inviting me to say, not only did I die for you, but now I'm asking you to die with me. We share in Christ's suffering and share in that, I think, that crucifixion. And, and the paradox of all of this is actually like the most freedom that we ever have comes in dying to the need to be fulfilled. And like Jesus asks us to, to lay down our desires. Are you with me? Okay. Jesus asks us to lay down our desires. Why? Because in actually dying to our desires, we are most free, uh, or, or I'll say we can have the freedom to not be a slave to what we want anymore. I, I, I can have the freedom to want something without needing it or without being a slave to it. And I think so often we get caught up and we're, we're actually just slaves to our desires. It's like you know, we live with kind of needing one thing to the next. And we could go all kinds of practical on this, but I'll save you from that. And we could just think, I, I, I need all of this stuff and I want all of this stuff. But in actually dying to our desires and dying with Jesus, we're invited into a life of freedom that says, I have all that I ever need. And really, that's, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy because everything else in my life is a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that again because that hit me hard. That we. We can have our freedom or have the freedom to want without being a slave to our wants. Like that is so powerful. And I think that's something, again, that's not preached in today's society, in our young adult generation, because that like desiring things or surrendering our desires doesn't like register in our brain that that's freedom. But actually we're we're living in freedom. It's yeah, it is a paradox. So it's a little bit hard to Yeah, it's a paradox of like even freedom is a paradox. It's freedom is not the same thing as liberty. Um, freedom is the ability um, to I think walk in a place of of freedom, but liberty is is just I think this this un ungrounded, undisciplined, un unrestricted sort of perspective or or way to live your life. Actually, it's like you don't have real freedom if you're not living a disciplined life. You, you don't like, and maybe I'll say this, Dallas Willard, who's another uh, important, I think, theologian to sort of some of this conversation, he says this, he says, spiritual maturity is not being surprised when you don't get what you want. I mean, so when, when I don't get what I want, God, I prayed for this. You didn't get it. Or maybe the answer to prayer is no, there's an idea. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer surprised when I don't get what I want. Even if the desire isn't wrong, it may not be what God has in mind or what, what is actually best for us. I mean, I want to add to this. I think spiritual maturity is not being offended when I don't get what I want. Yeah. I think, you know, many times we can treat our prayer life like this, that we'll, we'll hold God hostage to a promise that he never made. <laughs> God, you pr- I prayed for this. I asked you for this. And he's like, I know you did. But I have something better in mind. I'll just be personal. There, I, thank God he has not answered every one of my prayers. Anybody with me on that? I have prayed, God, she's the one. She was not the one. <laughs> thank you, Facebook, for letting me know. <laughs> Come on, what? They're like, what's Facebook? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm just like, that's the only thing Facebook is good for because here's what I mean to say by that. Facebook is like, I have not been on Facebook or logged on, but it's all the friends that I had from like 10 years ago, you know? So you kind of begin to see anyway. Um, no, I get it. I saw the other day that like two high school friends that were not friends are married now. There we go. Crazy. God. Thank you, Facebook. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh, so I think like there is, there's this like idea that like, you know, we, we, I think are invited into a journey of following Jesus that as we grow with God and as we become more like Jesus, it's invited to this place of actually crucifying the things that we may want or feel like we need so that we can understand that God is my sole desire. His presence is all that I need, that he can supply every need that I have. And beneath every desire is really at its core. It's a longing for Jesus. It's a longing for intimacy with the father. And I think, the, the pathway to get there, Jesus says this. He says that the, 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 for Jesus, it, is, it was his death that actually opened up the door to what he called the abundant life. 
And it's when we participate in him with us, this is much of the teaching of the New Testament, is that as we, as we share in Christ's suffering, we actually are, are raised to walk a brand new life. Salvation is this. When you are saved, and you maybe, maybe some, of this, some of you will have this moment tonight. Maybe you've already had that moment. When you, you raise your hand and you make that decision that you're going to commit to a life of faithfulness to Jesus and you're going to say that prayer, what happens? Your old life is dead and you're raised to walk a new life. And Jesus says, come on this journey to see the life that I have, to be invited into the abundant life, the most fulfilling life. And then what happens? There reaches a place where he invites us to say, hey, it's time for you to take up your cross. There are maybe things in your life that have gotten out of place, that are out of order, and there are desires that come before me. And so even good dreams, even promises that God gave to you, sometimes he will ask you to lay them down in sacrifice. It's just part of the way, it's, it's what it means to follow Jesus. And to say yes to Jesus actually means saying no to many, many different things. And so I think that's something that maybe we um, get a little bit wrong or confused in the church because, yes, there's so much freedom that comes on, um, on the other side of salvation. And you can walk in freedom in that, but you're actually saying no to many different things. And that's what denying yourself means and picking up your crosses is saying no to these things. And I've learned, like you were saying, like, a pro- like it could be good, good things. It could be, um, or just like our, our need to, our definition of right and wrong or our um, political views or not, like choosing not to engage in um, controversial things and things like that. And so I've just learned in my life, even good things um, like a desire for a family and a desire for security and safety. Um, Even like reading about this, it reminded me of this last summer, I, or two summers ago, I, um, anyone who knows me, I'm very close to my family and they are like everything to me. And we actually had a break in, in my mom's house. And I remember it, it was like a three month journey of figuring this out of like, we were, it was a whole legal thing. And, but God was literally asking me to sacrifice my desire for security. Like my security isn't going to come. We like invested a lot of money in security cameras and alarms and safety features. And obviously those are all good, good things that um, are a resource to us. But is my, at the end of the day, is my security and my like source of security coming from like an alarm system? Probably not. And so even in that, like that was something that I think my whole family had to learn of like the need and desire, like we learned that that's like the five basic needs of a human is like safety. And that is like not a bad thing. That's how God wired us, but that can't come over the desire and the faith in God's character. Yeah. And it's not just, I think it's an important lesson to learn. It's not that God even caused that, but I think there's a lesson to be learned in that to, to say, hold on, my, I've been trusting in some, some crazy stuff, (laughs) or I've been, you know, putting my faith in all kinds of different things. Um, I was reading a book and one of the the illustrations that jumped out at me, because the imagery I think is just so um, confronting, is it was saying a story of the Crusaders, the Knights of Templar. If you're, if you're a fan of that, I'm not sure. Probably not. Nerd. Um, so... <laughs> But they, they would say that, that when they would go off to battle, that they were, you know, essentially Christian soldiers, and they would be baptized head to foot. But what they would do is they would hold their sword and their arm outside of the pool. And they were baptized as if to say, God, you can have everything in my life except this. And I think what they were saying was, God, I'm, I'm about to go off and I'm going to do something violent and my, my quest for glory and my quest for, for more whatever and God, you can have all of my life except this. And I think we obviously are not soldiers like that, but we do this. So many times we live our life to say, God, you can have all of this, but not this part. And we, we kind of like are baptized in, in maybe the imagery with, with holding our paycheck above our heads. To say, God, you can have it all, but that's my money, not yours. We talk about tithing. It's like, God, no, 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 no. I know what's best. Okay, it's not, or we, or we do this with a relationship. Like, God, you can have my life, but not my romance. And it's a failure to trust in the, really the, the intimacy that God can provide. And you think, I'm going to take things into my own hands. Or we'll hold up maybe like um, 
entertainment or politics or any other part of like our identity that says, God, I'm just, I'm going to hold on to this and watch. What we end up doing is we only worship God with the things that we don't want. (laughs) We want to hold on to the things that we worked hard for and the things that we feel like are good to us. And we feel like we're, 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 we, we want the things that are good in our life, but the things that we wish we could change or the things that we regret or the things that we want to change, what happens? That's God, you can have all of that. And we sell it like, oh, God, you can have all of me. But in our heart, we know that there's like two or three things that are off limits. That's why, we, that's why this invitation is so, I think, important when Jesus says, no, no, no. What is the cost of following Jesus? It is everything, even your life. And we all have that, like, one or two things. And so even, like, as an action step, maybe tonight, like, just ask the Lord, like, what are those things? Because we all have them. Like, we really do of, like, keeping our hand up of, like, I... I want, like we pray for revival and we pray for change and pray for God's power in all these areas in our life except this like one area. And so, or we're willing to surrender everything else except that one area. And so um, that is something that, yeah, just even as a challenge, like ask yourself, what is, what are those one or two areas that um, you are are just holding on to and gripping. And even in that, like when you're gripping that, you're not getting freedom from that. You're actually like a slave to those things. And so, um, and another, we all know this verse, Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is like a verse, again, we hear all the time, but we often forget that first part, right? Where I'm like, yes, God, like you'll give me the desires of my heart. Like I, this is what I want. You're send your Christmas list to God, and then you forget the first part. And I relearned this in college. My uh, Bible professor said it in a different way, and he said, actually, like, the promise is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, delight is like an action step, and so much is in that word. It means surrender. It means denying yourself. It means sacrificing, like, all of those things. If you do those things, then the promise is that God will deposit his desires and his heart into our heart. And so that's the giving of the desires, not the, like, granting of your wishes. And so I think we get that wrong sometimes of, like, I want to desire only what God desires. In fact, if, some, if I'm desiring something that's not of God, please, God, take it away. I don't want to do that. That's really good. We'll, we'll read the verse, like, we'll delight ourselves in the desires of our heart, and maybe we'll get God after. And it's like... I think that's, that's a really important step is like the, the point is not the desires. The point is that we get God and his desires. And that I think that really like beneath all of this is um, like a, to say, God, you want the best for me. And so every other desire that I have has to come underneath that. And so if it means laying it down or to, to deny the, 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 the flesh part of me that is um, you know, inherently sort of sinful and, and that I, I, you know, this part of me that um, is kind of bent towards destruction and distancing from God and say, I'm going to s- sacrifice that part so that I can live the life that God has called me to with his best in mind. Um, I, I, maybe what I want to talk about is um, going from, so we've, we've talked a lot about this idea and kind of what it means to die to yourself But what I love is that Jesus, he gives a command, but he's not just asking us to follow with blind obedience. And actually the way that this sort of passage that we read is structured, it's not that Jesus is going like, hey, you better do this or else. He actually understands there's there's four like logical points that Jesus gives afterwards where he's explaining um, why this would make sense. Or, Or he's actually explaining to the disciples like, hey, this is what it means to follow me. Here's the cost of following Jesus. But there's four like, logical steps that follow and maybe just to say this like there is um certainly there is a cost to following jesus we're we're not shying away from that tonight we're we're i don't even know how to sugarcoat this it like literally means like you gotta die to you but there's also what i would say is that there's a cost to not following jesus and there's what jesus would say is is a bigger cost to not following him. And the cost is the cost of your, of your soul. And that could be maybe another step where it just sounds like confusing maybe to us because the soul is, um, yeah, just something that we, I think, struggle to unpack. But 
And I think sometimes we're, we talk about this, like, or we dream and desire, like we aren't, um, soul people like our souls are eternal but we're like going after temporary desires and fulfillment and so yeah even in that verse it's verse 35 um for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what can a man give in return for his soul and what it's saying here is like you could literally have the entire world you can have the beautiful house on Newport Beach and a family and a dog and a white picket fence and a big diamond ring and, and, a, and a happy life. Those are not bad things. I want those things in Jesus' name. Um, but like you can literally have it all. And, but if there's parts where we're like sacrificing our or compromising our soul, then it's, we, we lost. It's not worth it. Yeah, and I think Jesus, like, the, the logic is that, like, what, maybe I'll just ask you the question, like, what, what value do you put on your soul? Like, how much is your soul worth to you? Because um, what Jesus says is, like, even the whole world is not enough. It's not a fair trade. It's, it's a bad deal. <laughs> Jesus is like, you could gain literally everything on the planet, and it still is not, it's a bad trade for your soul. Well, why is this the case? Because maybe just the first thing is, yeah, there's, there's certainly, we got to take care and not make compromises to our soul. But you think about this, the soul, it is, it's like the truest thing about you. Your soul is like the, 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 the innermost part of who you are. It's, it's the image of God part of you. And it's not just like, you're, you're not just a body with a soul. You are a soul that temporarily has a body. You think about your soul is the only thing that will be with you in eternity in the state that it's in. You'll get a new body. You don't get a new soul. And that's where you think, like, this is just kind of like a flash in the pan. But my soul is, is, in, is into eternity. So, yeah, give me anything in the world. But, like, if I don't have Jesus, then it's, 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 it's a bad deal. It's like a bad trade. And I think we need to, like, as Christians and as the next generation of this church, we have to take care of our souls, not like soul care and not self-care and all those things, even though they're good. But we need to protect our souls, like, at all costs. And so I keep thinking of the word compromise, of, like, how we are so, me included, like, are willing to compromise little parts of our soul that, that leave us damaged, and they leave us, um, we chip away at the, like, goodness of our soul. And what that means is, like, I don't know, even to, even to put it into practical sense, like, hanging out with a crowd that you're not supposed to be hanging out with or being um, involved in things that you know you're not supposed to or you have that feeling that you're just, it just doesn't sit right with you. Or, um, yeah, compromising on things that you said you never would and you know that Jesus stands against. Like, I've, um, I've, uh, recently just have been, and I've said this with our college students, have been so convicted of gossip and um, vulnerable moment. I think there's such a, I'm such a verbal processor, so I'm like, God, got to say everything. And God's literally been shutting my mouth of that is not like glorifying to God. That's not venting. That's not processing. That is actually gossip. And that hurts the heart of God. And that, that hurts my soul. It's chipping away at my soul. And it actually, like um, like you said, like the soul is the only thing we we're taking with us to heaven. And that's not worth it. That's not worth it. And if you think about, like, what you're saying, it's like, you know, how, how quickly we are. Jesus says to forfeit. I'd say maybe to, to think about how cheaply we give our soul away. Like, it's like, like what you're saying. Okay, so we're, you know, in a moment we're trading what we know is right for the applause of others. Or the likes that we get on Instagram, you know? Or it's like, oh, I'm about this. Well, you know it's wrong, though. Or you're trading, like, the, um, you know, God's design for relationships for just kind of like a, a fling or a moment of sexual encounter. It's, just, it's a cheap trade is what it is. It, and it's like, and I'm, I'm not meaning to be, like, uh, prickly tonight. I just want to help you see, like, your soul is so valuable. And if you think about it, like, man, this is like an eternal thing to God. And it's like, even Jesus says, there is no amount of power, influence, wealth, 
security, none of that stuff, it, it all pales in comparison to the value of what is inside of you and to not neglect that. Um, and I, I think this, this pathway, which it, Jesus says, if you, if, it's like this paradox of if you love your soul and if you want to save your soul, what does it mean? It means, it means dying to your flesh and laying it down. Because like there's so often our soul can be anchored to these things that we think we need. And it's in breaking those ties and letting it go that we're actually like we discover the truth. And, and maybe just to say it plainly to Jesus, this isn't like, um, like one among many. He actually says there's, there's really only two options. The options are you can either deny Jesus and follow yourself or, or maybe to say deny Jesus and, and just let your desires sit in the driver's seat of your life. And you kind of become a slave to whatever it is you think you need in that moment. And what happens is you lose your soul in living that way. Which I'm not like coming after. I'm not mad at anybody. Like, why is he so angry? I'm not mad at you. <laughs> but I'm just saying like to help us to realize like if, we're, if our ambition, if our goal is to be like Jesus and to follow him, there is this piece of the Christian life that we kind of begin to unlock. And to say, hold on, have... Have I been living with like just kind of like letting whatever I think I need in the moment be the thing that drives me? Like how easy is it to have a bad day? Because we didn't get what we wanted that day. Or to think about how so quickly we can be offended at God because we know that like he didn't give us what we wanted him to give us. The second option I think to Jesus is what I'm inviting you in tonight is to say to deny our soul and to follow Jesus, meaning that you, you crucify what you want to get the thing that you deeply desire. Yeah. That's good. And I think we're saying there's two options. Like, there is actually no gray area. There's these two options that Jesus, like, invites us into. And so I think so many times we do this, like, lukewarm. And I know we that's, like, a Christian word we say, like, a lukewarm Christian. But... Um, we often say like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus, deny myself, but I have this tendency to gossip or but I want a temporary fill, but I want to drink with my friends, but all of these things. And there's actually like no gray area. There's like, there's two options. Why are you smiling at me? You're being harsh tonight, I'm Angel. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like everyone's on a journey and I want to respect that. You were talking about the verse in Luke that this is kind of a daily thing. Yeah. It's not like a, a okay, check that. I'm dead now. <laughs> it's not not the way it really works. I think and we think that I think the the call to surrender and to deny ourselves is like one act at salvation. Like I gave my life to Christ. Um I've gained salvation and and I'm picking up my cross. But actually in Luke, um we were saying that this same verse and the same like command from Jesus is mentioned three times in the gospels and that one is in Luke and it went the way it's worded in that is um, pick up your cross daily. And so I think no matter if you have been a Christian your whole life or you became a Christian last month, like this is a daily surrender and a daily um, choice that we have to make. Because it's still a temptation, I think, to, to slip into that or to, to like, we all get fixated on all kinds of stuff, you know? It's like, what it, I mean, for some of you tonight, it could be a relationship, and I, I want to be sensitive, but many single people in the room feel like, God, like, you know, like, let me just say, God, like, um, God, why haven't you listened to my timeline? You, don't you see me over here? Like, clock's ticking. <laughs> and it's like, hold on. Like, do you trust that God has your best in mind? And that singleness is a gift, to say it plainly, you know? Or, or, or to be like, you know, like, I've, I've been this way with like job stuff where there's so badly I've wanted like a picture of what I thought and it just didn't work out that way. And there's like, okay, I have to trust that like, okay, God has something better. And man, what a, what a free life that is and a freeing place. It's almost like you just kind of surrender to love. And maybe the way I'd say it is like, we think of this act of the cross. It was something that Jesus did and you think, how could I ever do that? Well, we have to look at Jesus' example because he did it first. And we, I want to encourage us tonight. It's like, let's, let's not make the mistake of thinking of the cross, which is the forefront or like the, the very first picture we get in a relationship with God. And the very first thing that Jesus puts at the center of following him across all four gospels, Jesus positions the cross at the front and says, this is what it means to follow me. Let us not make the mistake of thinking that as just a transaction. 
God, you did that for me, cashed it in, I'm good. No, no, the cross is, is not just transactional, it's, it's transformational for your life. It's the way in which you will be transformed to be like Jesus. That's bing, bing right there. That's a... And this is what I'll just say, I think across the room is like for maybe to make this like, I think challenge for all of us is like, is well, maybe two questions I'd have is, is first is like, what, what, how much is your soul worth to you? Maybe to take inventory. Have you been making some bad deals with your soul? I've been there. I still do that. I think, hold on. I, I've forfeited and sold away things just on the cheap. Jesus says it's the most valuable thing about who I am. Maybe to take a look even, I think, at our desires, because like one thing we were talking about is it's like, what's, what's crazy about this? And this is, I'll just say, this is a word tonight as we respond in a moment. This is, this is not just a word for new believers. This is a word for every believer in the room. We were talking about how it's so, it's so you can look like you're winning, but you're actually losing. Like, like I hope you know, like the wrong gain is a loss, in the grand scheme of things, like, if you take a look, like, it's so easy. You can, you can look like you're winning, but you can actually be losing. You can look like you're winning in life, but could you be losing your soul? Think, like, could I be, you know, the, the cost in which I'm, I'm trading all this in for? Yeah, it's, like, it's cool to live that way, but Jesus says, well, what good is it at the end of the day if you lose your soul in the process? The opposite is true, though, too, is that you can, you can like, the, the right loss is actually a gain. You can lose things, like, for example, you can lose your guilt and your shame over your past tonight. You can lose it. And guess what? That's a loss, but it's a gain. You can lose tonight to be set free from your need for need for need. <laughs> need for security or need for influence or need for like the approval and the applause of others. That's a loss. But let me tell you, that's the right gain. So you're gaining your soul. And, and, and more than any of that, you're, you're gaining a soul that, is, that knows where its desire is rooted in the person of Jesus. And God promises that he has good plans for us and it's good plans to prosper our soul and prosper us eternally. And that's kind of what I was getting at earlier of like, we have a responsibility to take care of our souls and to protect it at all costs. And um, I think in a world that, that actually idolizes short-term pleasure, that's not how our souls work. It doesn't work and it'll never work like that. And so we have to have that on the forefront of our minds of like our souls, we're, we're stuck with these souls for forever. I want to let you know tonight too. There, there's there's a very redemptive process in what God does, and it's it's salvation. But there's also there's also a a regeneration that happens. It's 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 God is actually in the 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 dying to yourself becomes the very pathway to receive life and life to the fullest. 